Hey friends, welcome back to Stars Like Us. My name is Eliza Kelly. So on today's episode, episode 10, I, I am so excited about being in double digits now. I am interviewing Gabriella Herstic, who is an amazing metallic leather jacket wearing Los Angeles based Aquarius, <laughs> which which underlined 10 times because because she really is one um funny anecdote about our podcast taping experience the whole time I was using this handheld recorder it was glitching out and I was so embarrassed because it was the first time I was meeting Gabriella and I also you know I'm I follow her work. I find her to be very cool. I wanted to impress her. I also want to make sure that all of the episodes that I'm sharing with you guys are high quality. And she just very nonchalantly was like, oh yeah, technology always breaks down in my presence. So (laughs) needless to say, we have an amazing conversation that I think you guys are all going to really enjoy. We talk about energy, intention, and action. We talk about Aleister Crowley. We talk about Anton LaVey. And if you don't know who these people are, you're definitely going to know who they are by the end of the episode. I ask her whether we can separate art from the artist. And we discuss the nuances of that. We talk about what it means to share versus create from ego. We talk about phone addictions We talk about weed magic, and then I query her on alcohol magic, whether that's a thing. We talk about sex and love and using your orgasm as an ability to direct energy and create manifestations. And then we talk about whether or not you need a partner to do that and the joys of being single and being able to enjoy pleasure. It's a pretty cool conversation. Before we get started, I want to share with you guys a few updates, namely on my digital workshop series that is going to begin in just a few weeks. So I have decided, and based on the technology I'm using to do this, which is super, super easy, when you sign up, all you need to do is go to a URL. You don't need to download anything in order to participate. I've decided to give 20% off for everyone. (laughs) So I am going to price Astrology 101 at $79 per person. That is for over two hours of lessons with me and also for creating our community. I'm trying to decide what we should name our community. So if you have any ideas, please email me at info at elizakelly.com or DM me at elizakelly on Instagram or Twitter. Um, I'm thinking stargazers. If you guys like that, let me know. Or if you could think of something more creative or, you know, that you just prefer, (laughs) also let me know and I will be sure to give you credit 
should we use that name? <laughs> but needless to say, let's dive into this episode. We have the full moon in Scorpio coming up, and I find Taurus Scorpio season. And the reason I say Taurus Scorpio season is because anytime we're in a season, we're also in its opposite. So Taurus is all about life and blooming and buds and babies. <laughs> and Scorpio is all about decomposition and death and release and letting things go. So Taurus sun, Scorpio moon is coming up right around the corner and it is really the life-death access. To me, this is one of the most profound lunations in a year because we are simultaneously generating abundance and then also releasing everything we have. So I encourage you guys to consider that as we move through the week. Um, think about what you would like to begin. Think about what you would like to let go of. And remember that death is just an extension of life. We are all just going through cycles constantly, all the time. And when we give ourselves permission to make room for things, we let new things in. And that doesn't mean that letting go is easy. And that doesn't mean that death is easy. In ancient Greece, the lamenters would come to funeral services whether or not they were invited. And these were mostly women. And they would scream and cry and grieve. This was a problem because it gave power to these individuals, the lamenters. Whereas obviously in every single patriarchal-based society, the power is not on these female lamenters, it's on the men who are deciding what to do with the body and the systems and the structures, etc., etc. So the power to grieve, even changes in our own life, is also a valuable and important part of our experience. This is actually a wonderful segue into the conversation with Gabriella because we really talk about a lot of these magic principles and esoteric and occult ideas. So I will just jump us into this right now. Here it is, episode motherfucking 10. Enjoy. So on this episode of Stars Like Us, I am with Gabriella Herstic, who is the author of Inner Witch, a Modern Guide to the Ancient Craft. Hello. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I have so many questions for you. I'm such an admirer of your work. And to start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how this came to be, how you became this, this modern witch of this ancient craft? <laughs> sure. I'm currently based in Los Angeles, and I am an author, a writer, and a columnist. I currently am working on my second book, and my first book, um, Inner Witch, A Modern Guide to the Ancient Craft, was released this past September in the U.S. and um, was published in in March in um, March before, what was it? Last March? I don't even, it's been over a year in the UK, but um, I write about fashion. I write about mostly about witchcrafts, but I also incorporate a lot of glamour into that as well as sex magic. Um, I have a column on nylon called Ask a Witch, which is exactly what it sounds like. And um, 
yeah i'm like kind of all over the internet doing a bunch of different stuff and uh, i write ritual guides and also have a column on high times called the high priestess so my day-to-day is a lot of like witchy witchy writing and that kind of stuff um as far as like my background I was born in Southern California and I lived here for a little, for like six or seven years um, but I was raised in the deep south in Georgia and um, my dad's a rabbi and it was definitely interesting growing up in the Bible Belt with a rabbi father. My mom's from the Jewish community in Mexico City and um, I was like 12 when I figured out that I was a witch so there was a lot of um, a lot of overlap with with dynamics and feelings and cultures and stuff do you believe that some people are born witches and some people aren't or is it something that somebody could choose to become i think it's something that we all have it's the seeds are planted in all of us it's just like anything else not everybody's going to be drawn to this but if you're drawn i think then you have every right to claim that title and i think that we you know there are more and more of us who are being drawn so for me I think it was less of something that like I chose but more of something that I recognized within myself that I could nurture so what do you think defines being a witch yeah oh this is always a tricky one because there's kind of a, like a few different angles you can answer I mean the witch even outside of like witchcraft itself has always existed right as an archetype of a woman specifically just because historically those have been the ones who have prosecuted as witches and also just the media loves to vilify women who are powerful at all so there's this kind of like archetype and idea of a witch of somebody who's subversive of somebody who answers her own questions and obviously some people you know the media likes to think that that is negative but for me you know that that part of the witch has always existed will always exist the witch has always existed and will always exist and um to be a practicing witch uh or to be a witch to me means being somebody who works with their own cycles internally Um, with the cycles of the earth and with the cycles of the cosmos so working with the moon working with the stars working with the seasons and also um, like honoring the earth and being connected to her and I think is just like so so big for so many of us and also like seeing how that is connected to yourself and knowing yourself I think the the maxim of knowing thyself is like so 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 vital and important and um yeah, I think a witch is somebody who lives consciously, powerfully, unapologetically, and who take up, takes up space and works with magic, which I like to think of as energy um, plus action plus intention. So that's my like little short blurb. So energy plus action plus mm-hmm. intention. So the energy that we have... So can you get so what, so what is like an example of that in yeah. practice? My favorite easy example is singing somebody happy birthday. Oh, I love so, that. So like you have I also hate the happy birthday it's song. It's really annoying and it's I just find like, it's like the the notes are really hard for yeah, me to hit. It's not a good it's not going to make anybody sound good. I always like to harmonize to add some like annoying layers there, but you know, I I like I do appreciate the act of like really sending energy to somebody on their birthday. So like you know, let's say like it's your birthday. So the intention is that we want to wish you a happy birthday and send you some love. The action is going to be singing or like blowing out the candle, right? The one time in magic where you blow out a candle and the energy is us like actually like doing the song and singing the song. 
um, I mean, and yeah, the, the action can be seen as either like the actual singing with that's also how you're raising the energy um, or as like when you blow out the candle and make your wish can kind of be seen as the end of it. But that's a really, really simple way to think of like raising energy to send towards an intention. It's so funny that that is the example that you use because that is also the example that I have used before in terms of spell making. Yeah, Is exactly. that like when you, you know, it's ultimately blowing out your birthday candles, making a wish over something is the practice of identifying mm-hmm. a desire exactly. and then bringing that into fruition. Yes, in, which is magic. Yes, which is ultimately magic. And then we can add more and more layers mm-hmm. to exactly. it. Um, but like, do we really add more and more layers or do we just make things like, how does it, how is that or isn't it that, less significant than I don't know like bathing in the blood of a particular sacrificial creature and I don't know I'm making this up obviously (laughs) but like you know sort of like the stereotype of a spooky thing a witch could do is that more powerful than blowing out birthday candles I think it's all about intention right I mean I know it's about the feeling that we're cultivating while doing this act so even like singing happy birthday to somebody who like you like versus somebody you don't really care about the energy is going to be different totally. so like, you could cover yourself in the blood of an animal that like you're not connected to and have the same experience as singing a song you don't give a fuck about like to somebody <laughs> you don't give a fuck about but like I think it, it really is like the feeling that it evokes and I've I mean I've had some of the most profound magical experiences doing sh- doing shit like driving down the street or like watching a concert so i think for me it's like when we're creating rituals it's a way for us to tell the universe and to our higher selves or whatever you believe in that what we're doing is sacred we're setting aside time to honor something that we think is important and i think that act and the act of setting like like really um embodying our desires and our feelings is ultimately more powerful than the action we're taking to get there the action is to me almost secondary it's like what it's more of like the intention and the feeling first and then how you're going to do that second. I often find in because so much of my practice as an astrologer is cyclical. Hmm. I'm like, oh, my God, do I sound like a broken fucking record? Like talking <gasps> about like mm-hmm. how, what the full moon energy mm-hmm. is versus the new moon energy. Mm-hmm. And like obviously we have 12 signs of the zodiac and mm-hmm. each of those has its own essence. But as somebody doing this for several years now sometimes I worry that I'm being redundant in my offerings is that something that you find as well oh my god yeah that's definitely something that I think about a lot and as I like write the second book and continue writing these ritual guides it's something I'm really aware of and here's the thing it's like unfortunately like I feel like no matter what level witchcraft book I write like I'm gonna there's just gonna be stuff that's repetitive because like you kind of have to assume that people are like even though there are the readers that know a lot of stuff, you have to assume that like people aren't going to know everything. I feel like there is always going to be kind of this like broken recordy thing. But at the same time, as somebody who is actively like walking the walk and always learning and always learning about different forms of magic and always deepening my own practice, I think that I I'm I always take where I am and the lessons that I've learned and what I've I feel like you know, just like doing the mantras that I do every Monday on my Instagram. It's like where I see that we're all connected and I see that we're all going through these cycles at the same time. So I know that, you know, like for this, I'm writing today, I'm writing about like Taurus season and 
sex magic for my weed column and I'm like I know that this kind of like coming back into my body energy and this energy of pleasure that I'm redefining is something that like I'm not going through alone and I just kind of like let my own experiences guide me as well as my like connection to like what I see is going on with other people but I think that you know I'm not constantly doing the same practices even if I am they're gonna evolve and they're growing with me so you know I am kind of worried it's gonna be annoying like in the second book I do have to explain some of the same things because it's you know about the elements but I feel like as long as I'm growing then my work is gonna grow and that people are gonna resonate and also like the people that are meant to resonate with my work are going to resonate with my work. And I don't have to be 100% for every single person all the time. Totally. And I also think that something I remind myself when I feel like, oh, goodness, like here comes another, <laughs> here, you know, here comes more candle magic, um, <laughs> is that ultimately like repetition is one of the most sacred forms mm. of manifestation Absolutely. and spell work. Absolutely. Like it it actually takes time and oh, yeah. repetition to build things, which mm-hmm. is why so many spells are rhymes, mm. is that they it has a repetitive nature to mm-hmm. it. And I read this incredible book, and I cannot remember the name of it right now, but I will absolutely put it in the notes of this podcast. Um, and it was talking about how during the O.J. Simpson trial, there was conversation in the witch community, so this is 1996, 1997, that OJ's lawyer, Johnny Cochran, was a witch because he kept saying these rhymes throughout the whole trial, like, um, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. And he had, like, all of these different little, like, tactics that he would use while he was in trial to actually, like, you know, as ways that the jury and the judge were receiving this information. Mm -hmm. And in 1996 and 1997, the witch community was talking about like, is Johnny Cochran a witch? Mm -hmm. Because he's doing witch things. He's Mm -hmm. like evoking and using rhyme as a way of creating this memory Mm -hmm. and creating this like statement in people's Mm -hmm. experience and in their psyche, which I thought was so interesting because rhymes are so contagious Mm -hmm. and so effective. Mm -hmm. And when we have, and that, you know, as, as a form of repetition is a reminder of that even though these things can feel like, okay, it's, you know, we have a new moon, we're planting seeds, we have a full moon, we're watching things transform, that it is that work that helps Mm -hmm. you get where you want to go. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, like, I have, I definitely believe in a manifestation, I believe in the law of attraction, but I think, you know, what throws people off is that people forget that there are other, like, laws at play that, like, that are intersecting with the law of attraction like your manifestation is not just going to happen like right away because there are other things going on in the universe and there's other things at play and all this stuff and um I think at least for me like these things like the new moon or the solstices or the equinox that are repetitive are as just an Aquarius with somebody who does not have a good sense of time and doesn't really believe (laughs) in it like they really help me feel grounded and connected and also like that I can return to myself over and over again like I think there's a lot of comfort and, you know, it's annoying as writers to have to write the same things, but at the same time, like knowing that each month I have the ability to like reflect on the new moon and really grow and manifest during the waxing moon. And then like that I have a full moon or the equinox, like these are things that really make me, as I witness my own cycles of growth and evolution, feel 
more empowered because as above so below i see the universe is going through it and it reminds me that what i'm going through is valid as well right and then there's also the you know the shifts in our consciousness as we're doing them Mm. the awareness of yeah sure you may have done a similar ritual last november but what's going on this november exactly exactly and we're not stagnant people like you know these just as the moon does her thing and waxes and wanes so do we and I think the goal of any of this kind of work is to gain wisdom and to evolve and to grow. And like you said, like there is so much, you know, you have to become an expert by doing things over and over. So the repetition definitely helps. And like, you know, if it works, it works. But I think since we're evolving, even the things we're doing repetitively are going to evolve and grow as well. So how, what are some of the ways that you study and acquire new information? And do you work with, do you have a coven that you work with? Um, do you have teachers? Are you a teacher? Yes, to all the things. Uh, <laughs> so I'm always like reading. I'm always studying. Right now I'm studying Hermetic Kabbalah with um, Nahar Mahdi at 22 Teachings, which is um, a, a, her Hermetic Hermetic, metaf- Hermetic mag- Magic School. Lots of big words. Um, so that's I've been studying that probably like around like a year, maybe like a little bit less. And that's been a really incredible um path just because i grew up jewish and was around it so much even though i didn't identify with judaism um i i needed a lot of distance from from the religion just to feel comfortable and hermetic kabbalah specifically like uses the tree of life and kabbalah but it also works with greek and roman magic and like different forms of occultism and uses a tree of life as a map so it's and like and gnosticism as well right yeah 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 exactly so it's um it's the hermetic order of the golden dawn at the turn of the century the one that popularized this kind of magic or are one of the groups that popularize this kind of magic um and it's been really cool because like i already know hebrew and i already know the letters so i'm like seeing these like hebrew words that like sound familiar and feel familiar but in a way that actually feels aligned with my own beliefs that's been really powerful um I've you know studied yoga for years and years and I'm always kind of like learning about different forms of tantra I'm reading about um buddhist tantra right now and kind of learning and working with some of those meditations um I'm just I always experiment in my own practice so like doing different practices just like reading reading other people's things asking the universe and like my guides and the gods and goddesses I work with for guidance um I have a daily meditation practice that I do that's been really really helpful and transformative and grounding and um I'm really interested too in the overlap of like magic and sex magic and BDSM so that's kind of like old and glamour magic and fashion so there's always like a bunch of little threads I'm following I'm like one of those people that reads like 30 books at a time so so cool (laughs) so what do you think about Crowley Uh, you know okay here's the thing it's like unfortunately he was I don't want to use the word crazy because that's not the right word and I don't like using that word but he was um he needed a lot of help and he did a lot of (laughs) fucked up shit but he also brought us some incredible incredible and potent wisdom and really like I mean he split from the hermetic order of the golden dawn and then like went and did his own stuff and I don't really like follow like a lot of his stuff um I don't you know I've like read about him and I know his shtick and I'm not gonna do quite as many um crazy or uh, subversive things like he did I think he has a lot to teach us but I don't really like subscribe to him but I think that 
you know, 777 in itself is an amazing book. And he, um, I do have a lot of respect for him, even though I don't necessarily agree with who he was or his ethics. Yeah, I, it's complicated. Exactly. I mean, this is, I, this is just something that I think about and talk about often with my friends, not when I'm on a microphone, but, you know, while we're on the topic, can you separate the art from the artist? I'm not sure if I know the answer to that, honestly. And I think that you can and you can't. I think that you can find the wisdom. I feel like everybody's fucking problematic. That's the thing. Nobody's perfect. Everybody's going to get canceled at some point for doing (laughs) something. And like, obviously there are things that like, that just are unethical that I think Curly did, but I don't know. It's like, I definitely think you can in a lot of ways and you can't like, I don't know. I don't listen to Kanye anymore because I was like, I don't like what you said, but I have a lot of friends who do who don't agree with him. So I'm like, I'm not, I'm not really sure. And you know, I know everybody's fave is kind of problematic. So I, I don't know if there's an answer. I don't know if I have an answer to that question. Unfortunately, Yeah, I don't, I don't have an answer to it either, yeah. but it's something I do think is very important to think about because there is dimensionality to everything. And mm-hmm. I do feel like that is what magic and exactly. esotericism and occultism mm-hmm. are all about. And subversion. Like art isn't supposed to make you feel comfortable anyway. Totally. And it's supposed to push boundaries. And like, yeah, again, I'm not supporting any like racist, transphobic, pedophile people, but like what is art if it's not going to make you think and make you question shit? Right. And, and magic too. And all of these kind of things that are leading us hopefully into high our higher selves into like knowing more being more connected or being more connected with each other right you know so do, do you have any thoughts on anton levey i think he was a fucking master of branding like that man really knew how to make a look and like make such a look think, like i mean i i have like i kind of feel the same as i feel about crowley like i think anton i think there are some things that i really agree with i really believe in the idea of true will and i believe in the idea of honoring thyself and knowing yourself and you know being self-serving but i don't really fuck with killing people for the most part i was like i don't i have this satanic bible and i read parts of it and then i was just like i couldn't i flipped to a chapter and was like we don't condone killing unless you're like a shitty person and have murdered i'm like you know, well, if that's, I don't know. I'm not going to condone, I'm not going to condone murdering people. But if you want to pull a Dexter, I guess, like, be smart about it. Um, He, I think he was really fascinating. And I think that he really knew how to make a statement. But I'm, and I definitely, you know, I work with a lot of dark goddesses that are kind of not that, like, not super different than this idea of, satan as an archetype so like in a lot of ways i feel like i do identify as like a satanic feminist as somebody who believes in their own um in their own power and their own will but i don't know anton it, it's like him and i'm i'm more interested in like lave's work in a lot of ways i think actually no that's not true they're both fascinating to me but i don't really like go out of my way to learn or support them personally the teachers i work with mostly are women and that's really important to me especially with spirituality and like especially studying with Naha and studying like the kind of magic that Crowley did like it is something that is the teachers are all dudes and all the people that write these books are dudes so I have feelings but I also like eh. well I totally I mean it's definitely not lost on me that like the two biggest names of esotericism are both men yeah I mean like the 20th century I feel like they're just both 
like they both really like knew how to work the system like if they had instagram it'd be fucking nuts like they would be probably live streaming some crazy shit like um but they are both i mean they're both like really big figures and i have respect for they them they both but. like also really wanted to be famous yeah yeah, Which I think true. is a really another interesting part of the story of these characters. Like they, you know, it's there's a lot of people who have been working in magic and exploring these texts who like also were not trying to hang out in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but right? like they legit were. Yeah. And I think that that is also something to be mindful of is like, yes, we have some big names of who have done work and sort of put magic and witchcraft and occultism um, in the mainstream, but a lot of people who have quietly made mm-hmm. massive contributions to looking deeper into our world. The uh, the show at the Guggenheim right now is... Oh, it's the Hilma? Is yeah. The, oh, I want to go It that. is so cool and so interesting. And the paintings that she, were, she was creating in the, in the 1800s like she knew that people couldn't hang Mm -hmm. like she was like you know what i am not living in a time where this is going to be appreciated for its esotericism where it's not going to be appreciated because i'm a female artist Mm -hmm. so i'm going to lock them in a box for 40 years and hopefully society will be at a better place when they can unearth them yeah and like that is some fucking esoteric thinking yeah it was the him off clint yeah yeah for anybody in new york go for me i'm i have such fomo for that it looked looks so amazing and really like the power of just being being in that vortex of like knowing and creating not from a place of ego which I think that's what really turns me off of both Anton and um Alistair it's this like like they were really powerful magicians and then it's just like the, the ego though the ego the need to be in be in the center of attention that's something that I'm also constantly kind of wrestling with my own work I'm like you know like I do like you know, obviously like, I like being seen and stuff, but as an Aquarius, I'm like, my purpose isn't for that. It's to like help reawaken the divine feminine. And it's, you know, but you go, it's always a battle. And it is, I feel <sighs> this very same thing. And I also am constantly um, struggling with this mm-hmm. because I am very grateful for platforms. You know, for me specifically, Instagram mm-hmm. is the the Facebook uh, property that I use to help, you know, disseminate my work. Mm-hmm. Instagram pays my bills. If I didn't have Instagram, I wouldn't be able to reach a lot of people. Right, It'd be way right. harder for me. But it's also like oh, feels really problematic. Yes, and absolutely. And I don't really know how to reconcile this either. Yeah, right. The balance of like being vulnerable and being willing to share and then also feeling like so overwhelmed by like people's attention and energy. It's... It's, it is difficult. It is something I'm still navigating. And yeah, it's like you're, you know, you're in the state of immense gratitude for having the ability to share your voice. Like, but then also being like, it, I always, I, I definitely like go between like loving it and feeling really, really overwhelmed and not understanding how to like handle that. Cause it, it's a lot. Right. And especially like when you're trying to be authentic. I mean, if you're bullshitting around and you're like light and love, like I'm going to like, here's my favorite handstand yoga pose of the day. And like, that's chill. Fine. But like, you know, that's not what I don't know. Like being a spooky occult practitioner to me is about, to me, it's like really about, it's like academic almost. Absolutely. And it's not, it's it's really just it's super complicated and I feel like it's 
it's something I'm constantly trying to reconcile and work through. And I'm comforted to know that it's something that you also are yeah. struggling with because I'm sure a lot of people Absolutely. are dealing with it. I mean, I know I'm addicted to my phone. I think we're all addicted to our phones. They made them addicting, and I... They I've, literally made I, them addicting. Which makes me like, feel better, because I always am, like, up my own ass about, like, you need to be on your phone less, and I do try to do that, and I recognize that I have anxiety around it, but, like, knowing that I'm... that It's their fault, not ours, like, that they're doing that to us kind of makes me feel a little bit better and have a little bit more self-compassion, but... Oh, yeah, and it sounds... Like, Instagram, it's... I love sharing, but, like, I definitely go through phases where I'm just like super overwhelmed and I'm like I can't even I don't even know what to post and it sounds weird but having like a private like Instagram for myself like a finsta like really helps I don't have the pressure of like like I can just shit post and it's chill and it makes me kind of like it again so like that helps but it definitely yeah no I think we're all kind of navigating this this need to be honest and connect while also honoring our boundaries because just because I'm online and hyper visible doesn't mean that like I need you sliding to my DMs to ask me to do free emotional labor for you all the time. Let's talk about weed. Okay. (laughs) Always. So tell me about your work with weed. Am I saying that right? I feel like a grandma every time I'm saying, tell me about your work with weed. Yeah, weed. I I always feel weird because like since I I started writing about it, like I taught, I say cannabis. I'll say like all the different words, but I just usually like, I just say weed. I'm like, I love I like smoking weed. Um, yeah, I love I love smoking weed. I love being in a state that makes it legal and accessible. I love I definitely like I'm trying to be better about being more like about just like smoking less. Um, sometimes it really is not an intentional thing for me, and I just use it because like I like to be high and I like how it feels. But I've had some of the most like incredible heart opening affirming experiences while like working consciously with cannabis um both through ritual and through like using it as a tool of devotion to kind of reach an altered state of consciousness um as a tool to help me deal with anxiety and just be more present in my body without kind of being like that shadowy scorpio moon obsessive place um and also as um a way to like intensify or change up the way that i'm working with sex magic or like anything kind of physical like that so yeah for me it's like a lot of different things and um I prefer smoking I'm start like slowly starting to work with CBD but I just like there's you know hemp CBD and then cannabis CBD and I'm trying to fuck with cannabis CBD because it's the better it's the better shit and I'm lucky enough to live in LA but um yeah that's kind of a quick overview is alcohol magic I feel like it can be and I feel like I again I feel like I'm 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 in the camp of I don't okay alcohol I think I I mean as somebody who's both Mexican and Jewish like I do see the value in using it to celebrate like every you know whether it's sipping some wine at Passover or taking a shot at a wedding like I do think that there when used right and when not used right not in um in excess it can be something that is a heart opener connects us to our bodies I feel and I kind of feel the same way about cannabis it's like anything else like you can get so stoned that it's not a you know it's just a bad experience or not a spiritual experience at all and you can do the same thing with alcohol I think with alcohol it's even easier since it's depressant um I definitely believe in the power of psychedelics and plant medicine which is why I'm a really big believer both in cannabis as a tool for healing and PTSD and other uh psychedelics as well but alcohol I've never been asked that and I think that it can be but I think that usually it's not 
Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, I think that the thing that is interesting right now about uh, there being such a moment surrounding the legalization of marijuana mm -hmm. and it becoming uh, us reclaiming what it means to smoke weed or to ingest it is about consciousness mm -hmm. and it's about awareness because I also, you know, lived in a time when my peers would smoke weed and be very unaware. I wonder if there is a way that alcohol could be consumed more consciously or if because we aren't redefining our legalization of it right now, if it's sort of like a lost cause, you know? Actually, I think uh, I was talking to you about the Numinous before and the founder of that, Ruby Warrington, just wrote a book about um, being sober curious about our relationship with alcohol. And I actually think there is kind of a lot going on about a lot of us reclaiming our relationship to it and to sobriety in general. There's a lot of conversation about like drinking culture. And that's actually something that I've been thinking a lot about because I do like to drink and like, but I, when I was, I was in New York last October, this past October, and I remember like sitting in a bar with a drink and it was just like loud and I was with friends and I'm like why am I here like why am I here just like sitting and drinking when like I can't even like have a conversation and it's definitely been like re um my at least personally reframing my relationship to alcohol and I think I I think that you know it can be used as as an offering um I was I dedicated Aries season to working with the goddess Babylon and one of her sacraments is alcohol I mean one of her sacraments is also like coke and like lots of other drugs but um it's yeah I mean I think that's the thing right it's like if we're gonna be if we're going to be doing this work that's really transformative that is using something like cannabis or alcohol then like you have to understand that that line between enough and too much is like really thin and I think that's kind of that's the what's the word for it that's like the ordeal path of doing these things that are really really transformative I mean obviously like smoking a little bit of weed isn't gonna like well it depends it might it might totally have a crazy experience and that's the thing you have to know yourself so it's like for me like one shot of alcohol might be the perfect amount but for somebody else it's not and um I definitely think that obviously we're going to continue seeing this conversation around cannabis and weed expand and uh get commercialized in a lot more ways and I think alcohol is actually also having, there's definitely like a sobriety uprising. I think a lot of people are kind of reframing their their relationship to it, but I don't know if it's going to ever, the legalization thing is going to change. I don't really think anybody's pushing for that. Yeah, I mean, I, th I feel like alcohol is such a, it has such a, it, like our history with it in terms of its regulations and obviously we had prohibition, mm -hmm. which like, lasted over a fucking decade That's crazy. like it's it, it was like not a minute yeah like <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think i realized it was so long actually yeah it was 13 years oh wow and that's a really long time for alcohol which is something now that we are we expect so society. you know it's so, so societally great. accepted and now marijuana is becoming much mm -hmm. more societally accepted but there's a learning curve with all of these mm -hmm. things i also want to talk about sex yeah. and and love magic because these things are important as well and they're an important part of your practice mm -hmm. so what is this so for me love I mean love and sex magic love magic oh wait also just since you're talking about weed I just want to say this because I think it's important 
free everybody who's been incarcerated for non-violent marijuana charges. Like, we have so many freaking people in jail for marijuana, especially people of color, and they get out of the system for those charges and can't get involved in the industry. So there's white people. Like, it's really it's, messed yeah, up. Yeah, it's very, if very, very that, problematic. Like, can't, like, if you're going to be in the industry, like, hire people that have experience that were in the industry. Like, I don't know. There's just... Yes. Abolish jails. Okay. Um, love and sex magic. So I work very closely with the goddess Venus. She's been my patron goddess for almost three, two and a half, three years. Um, so as somebody who's in devotion to a goddess of love and sex, it just kind of made sense for me to incorporate that into my own practice. So pretty much for me, sex magic is working with sexual energy, life force energy, prana, kundalini, whatever you want to call it. Um, and orgasms as a way to raise energy to send to a de- desired intention. So it's really just using your orgasms as a cone of power, as a way to release. Um, and I incorporate incorporate that into a lot of my rituals, even if the rituals themselves aren't around love or sex. Like you can use your orgasms to make money or to banish some shit or whatever. It's really just um, a potent form of energy release. And as far as love magic, I really work with love magic as... Um, most honestly just all of it is really transmuted through self-love and um I spent a good part of 2017 and 2018 just like really committed to being in relationship to myself and I was like okay like I saw it as a chance to be like what are the things that I'm looking for in somebody else what are the things that I'm looking like what kind of things do I want to feel in a relationship and do I want to receive and how can I give those to myself and that kind of led me through this really transformative year of love magic that was really rooted in self-love and just like self-exploration and erotic exploration and um during that time I was kind of I mean I'm still have you know very in the beginning stages but like started exploring kink more and getting more involved with that stuff but um for me sex and love magic are a way to connect and embody the energy of the energies that I want more of in my life which are sensuality and sexuality and power and eroticism and joy and bliss and pleasure and their practices that allow me to feel that in my body and that allow me to carry out that energy in the way that I interact with partners and friends and coffee shop people and everywhere else um I've been thinking a lot of the idea of like pleasure being something that we can access outside of sexual settings whether it's through like being outside or eating yummy food or smelling a rose and um I think those kind of all overlap and um yeah Venus kind of just I just make art for her and connect to her through through what feels good for me so so does this mean that you have a lot of sex I have a lot of sex with myself I I like go through phases of like being I mean I'm gonna be upfront and say that I've never been like in a relationship in a relationship like I have an ex who I call an ex because he was manipulative and put me through a lot of shit and that title feels well but I'm I've I've I'm very I'm single but you're an Aquarius I am an Aquarius and of my Venus and Mars in Aquarius so I'm like takes a lot to like I I'm it needs to be the right person for me um and my Mercury's in Pisces so I feel like I'm a romantic but not a conventional one I feel like that makes you a very good person to talk about these subjects because you can almost approach them from a clinical way. Um, And I don't mean that in like a, that you're not like getting down and dirty, 
but more of that, I mean, aquariums are so clinical to me because they see everything from like 35,000 feet Mm -hmm. where we can talk about sex and love and it doesn't necessarily mean that you're like bringing somebody home every night Mm -hmm. or that you're even in a relationship in order to access those feelings because those are sort of uh, additions to what the base of sex and love are yeah and that's something that's really important to me and something that like is also why I am comfortable or more comfortable sharing my experiences because like I I mean I'm also a twin so I think for me like my personal revolution has been being single because I've been in relationship and in partnership since I was born Mm -hmm. so but I there's you know I was really self-conscious for a long time about not having a committed boo thing or whatever and now I realize like being single and knowing like I know who I am I know it feels good in my body I've had actually like a few partners recently like tell me that I'm like yeah you're right because I spend a lot of time like committing to knowing what feels good and what feels good for me and I the taboo that you need to be in a relationship to for love to be valid or that you need to be like in a romantic relationship for love to be valid is something that like I really don't believe in and I think that those are valid kinds of love but I'm in the camp of love in all of its forms um and also like being in relationship to yourself first and foremost. And I see like, like I'm like a beautiful piece of earth. I'm not a hole that you're like, you're filling up. Like I'm something that you're going to add to. Like you're going to come in and make a mountain or something. You're not going to come in and like complete me because I'm already completed. And um, yeah, the taboo of single, of being single, being bad and the taboo of female masturbation being bad have been on my mind a lot as just like double middle fingers to the man because I don't believe in that shit, so. It's like my personal life is always going to intertwine with my magical life. So whatever I'm going through, like sexually or personally, is always going to interact with the kind of magic that I'm doing. But um, yeah, I've never done sex magic with somebody else. That's like on that's like next on the list. But um, I think that's one of the really cool things about this practice is it's you can really do some incredible, potent, powerful, transformative stuff like by yourself. Spoken like a true Aquarius. (laughs) Thank you you so much, Gabriella. So where can we find you? You can find me on the internet. Um, My Instagram and Twitter are both Gabby Herstick, G-A-B-Y-H-E-R-S-T-I-K. And you can find my book wherever books are sold. And I'm usually just, yeah, kind of all over the place. But Instagram and Twitter will lead you to my website, which is just my name.com, GabriellaHerstick.com. So thank you so much. Awesome.